This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. This was a really exciting week. It was the first week after I launched my podcast to the public, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone so much for listening, for subscribing. I had so many people tagging me in Instagram stories. Um, Someone messaged me saying that they saw an owl while they were listening, which was just so special to me. Um, Another person messaged me saying she was asking for a sign from her dad, and she actually got it. And that just made me feel so happy and touched. Um, Other people sent voice notes. A lot of people have offered to be on the podcast. So it was just a really incredible week. We actually made it to number two on the Personal Journal's Apple chart for Canada, which is just really incredible. And I have you entirely to thank for that. Um... Yeah, it's really fun when people message me. I feel very overwhelmed with both like gratitude, but also almost like embarrassment. Because while I know the podcast is my voice and like my personal stories, I think I kind of detach myself from that part of it because it feels overwhelming being so vulnerable all the time. But I'm really grateful that you're here. I hope I can continue to get my stride find my way through here and just keep improving each week and I'm grateful for all of you who are sticking around so thank you. I also wanted to make a quick correction that I said last week that I graduated from Ryerson University but the name has actually been changed to Toronto Metropolitan University and I forgot to use the new the new name so thank you to my sister Libby for reminding me of that. Other things happening in my week... I'm really excited. I went to the knitting mill to pick up the sample sweatshirts, the crewnecks and the hoodies, and I tried them all on today. I'm going to make a reel of that, and I'm just really excited to be able to share another part of this movement with you. I also hung out with a bit of a celebrity last week. You may know him as Sterling. (laughs) He has four legs and is a very cute golden retriever. Um, No, but I really did go to my first event since COVID. I was actually Saunders date to a patio crawl where we hung out with dog fluencers. That's a term I've just coined. I'm sure it's used before. But we went to a few different patios and our dogs were sipping dog beer they were eating delicious like dog hamburger patties and lots of cookies and snacks and there were some like famous dogs there I didn't really know it at the time because I'm not totally in that world but um some of the dogs like life of sterling newton has like 335,000 instagram followers but it's really cool because when you go to these events you get to meet like their humans But then when you look at them on Instagram, most of them don't really ever show they're humans. So that was really fun. Today's episode, we are exploring the theme of failure. And I'm really excited to share this with you. A few days ago, I came across a notebook in my drawer. 
and I didn't recognize it. And when I opened it, I realized it was actually a series of deeply personal letters that my good friend had written to her ex-boyfriend after they broke up. And she had given it to me before she went traveling with the hope that I would actually, at some point when she was ready, deliver this book to him. And she's in a totally different place in her life now, which we'll get to, but it instantly took me back to two years ago when she was going through this absolutely devastating breakup. And I just couldn't help but think about how how sad it was and how much it broke me to watch her feel absolutely heartbroken and gutted and devastated and just like the way she would let her brain spiral and I just remember her feeling so much at the time like she was a failure and looking back I obviously have a different perspective because I was an outsider and I didn't always know that the comfort and safety of him was what she needed or wanted even though it felt nice to finally have that but I mentioned finding this book to her and we reminisced on that time of her life but mostly we talked about how exciting it is to see everything she's done since and none of it would have been done had she stayed with him and I like as her friend just feel so proud of everything she is doing for herself and the life that she is living now and I mean breakups they're hard for like a whole number of reasons I know I felt like a total failure when my marriage ended. I, I think our identity sometimes gets really wrapped up in them and it's kind of hard to figure out who we are without that person. But also we, we grieve the future that we had planned and it's hard to picture any sort of future now without that person in it anymore. And I think we also really crave feeling known, just having someone who knows you deeply and knows what you love and don't like and your favorite food and all that stuff and it's hard to imagine someone getting to know you again and really letting someone in but most of all we ultimately feel like we've failed we've maybe failed ourselves we failed that person anyway this got a bit long-winded but sometimes in life we really just feel like we've failed and it isn't until we have time and clarity to see that Sometimes what happened was actually for the best, just like my friend with her notebook. Ugh, it's like hindsight is 2020, you know? But all of this reminded me of another great failure story of mine that actually has nothing to do with romance and everything to do with Ellen. So, I had just graduated with my BFA from Toronto Metropolitan University in June of 2012, and I was really trying to figure out my place. I didn't exactly love the film industry, and I was doing some photography, but I didn't quite feel fulfilled. I was kind of like stuck in a rut. I'm My marriage also, looking back, wasn't really in a great place. And so that fall, I decided I wanted to go after my biggest dream ever, working for the one, the only, Ellen DeGeneres. I had honestly been wanting to work for Ellen since I was 14. I looked at the producers on her show. They just had so much fun. I had the skills. I had gone to film school. I used to walk past her set every day when I was living in LA. I knew I could do it. I had the personality. I had the dance moves. Heck, I even had the haircut. And I just wanted to make people happy the way Ellen did. 
So I came up with a foolproof video. I needed to hone in my epic producing skills mixed with my winning personality, put it together and make a video that Ellen could not resist. So basically my video was contacting three viral stars who'd each appeared on her show for different reasons. We had the guy who used to sing to strangers and he was going to tell me, Nicole, if you want to get Ellen's attention, why don't you write her a song? So I'd go do that. I would try and write a song. It just wouldn't quite work out. And so I'd try something else. Then I talked to this little cute boy, Dustin, who was on Ellen's show for a video that went viral. And he sang, call me maybe. So I tried to make a viral video, but obviously you can't force a video to go viral. So that didn't work. Finally, I got a message in the video from Tiffany from season nine of So You Think You Can Dance. And she says, Nicole, if you want to get Ellen's attention, why don't you dance? So I went into the streets of Toronto. I asked various strangers to teach me a different dance move. And I put all those dance moves together into a fully choreographed routine with backup dancers. And it still didn't work. So in the video, I've now had three different guests on Ellen's show give me three tips. I've tried writing a song, that didn't work. I've tried making a viral video, that didn't work. And I've tried dancing, and that didn't work. So I'm obviously feeling bummed. Now, as a bit of a backstory, this last guest in my video, her name is Carrie. She's actually a waitress from Oakville. And she became part of Ellen's story when she submitted a bad yearbook photo. And then Ellen actually brought her down on stage and loved her energy and positivity so much that she sent her to the Grammys to be a red carpet correspondent. Thankfully, Carrie was actually local. So I was able to meet with her in person for the last little part of my video. So in the last scene, I'm sitting on her step. Oddly enough, in a tutu with a hoodie, not sure what the fashion choice was here. Charlie Goss would not be proud, but Carrie comes out the door and she looks at me and I'm sitting on her step feeling bummed. She's also in a tutu and she says, Nicole, if you want to get Ellen's attention, don't do what everybody else is doing. Just be yourself and Ellen will love you. And I look up with sparkles in my eyes basically and go like, you're right. Then it cuts to a nice scene of just me talking to the camera, giving the most earnest, heartfelt plea to Ellen that just makes your goosebumps, the hairs on your arm come up and you just think it's like the final scene of the movie where it all comes together and you laugh and you cry and you feel all those feelings, or at least that's what my film school brain thought. Looking back, or now, I mean, looking at it, I don't even know if I could watch this video because I feel like the cringe, the cringe meter would just be like off the chart. I mean, I love my earnestness, but also like it's painful. And that's how the video ends. Nine minutes, nine minutes. That's a really long video to try and get one of the world's most famous talk show hosts to watch, but bless young Nicole. She submits that video on December 17th, 2012. Looking back, not the best time to submit a video. 
Because you know what? Ellen and all of her producers probably aren't at work because it's basically Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah and all of the celebrations people celebrate. So are they going to watch my video? Probably not because they probably don't check their work email. Regardless, submit. I wake up the next morning to a few hundred views, which is not viral by any means, but for a nine minute personal plea to Ellen, that felt like a lot. Friends, acquaintances, everyone was not only posting this video to Facebook, but they were sharing detailed instructions for their Facebook friends to send it to her. Like it was basically an army now of people trying to get their people to send this video to Ellen. We weren't even worrying about views anymore, people. We were trying to get this video to Ellen through her Contact Us page. Now, at the time, I was also home in Calgary visiting my family for the holidays, and it was like the one thing that people would always mention when I'd bump into them at the mall or wherever I was. You know what I mean. Like, you haven't seen someone in a long time, but you can quickly recall the last thing you saw them do on social media. Like, oh my gosh, Sarah, just saw you went to Mexico. How was your trip? Or, oh, I saw on Facebook you're engaged. Congratulations. How's your new puppy? Mine was Ellen. It was, it was always, hey, oh my gosh, I saw your Ellen video. Has Ellen called? Oh my gosh, she's totally gonna call. I mean, she's probably just close for the holidays. Like, give it a few weeks. She has to call or oh my gosh, I've been sending your video to Ellen every day. I really hope she calls. I was actually at a Michael Bernard Fitzgerald concert and he came down after and was kind of mingling with people. And he's like, I know you. You're the girl who's going to go be a producer for Ellen. Ah, nice. I sent her your video. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this really has gone everywhere. It was, it was overwhelming and touching and just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, how could I not get on Ellen? I have all these people rooting for me, sending it. Like I'm basically going to break her contact page with how many people are helping. So at this point, nothing had really happened. And eventually someone from HR did actually reach out, but it was a super anticlimactic email. And because I was already done school, I couldn't get the student intern visa and I was Canadian. So I couldn't just be an intern and it just kind of like painfully fizzled out. So then probably a month or so later, in one last desperate attempt, I actually emailed her executive producer, Andy Lasner, who, if you've watched the show, you know who he is. He can't get through like any silly word without laughing. And he's just really fun, funny. I follow him on Twitter. So I kind of knew a little bit of his personality, made a, made a very personalized email. And it ended up becoming sort of like a womp womp offer for tickets. But when I ended up picking a time period that I thought I could go, the head of personnel that he had forwarded me to kind of was like, mm, actually, that won't work. <laughs> I was pretty crushed, to be honest. And I was crushed for several reasons. Obviously, there's this idea that our heroes are sort of one dimensional. And I think I thought that the Ellen I saw on her show was the Ellen to everyone all the time. And not only did I think that Ellen was exactly like that in everything she does, I also kind of expected or hoped that her staff would have that same, you get a car, Ellen energy. I know that Ellen's not really the one that gives people a car all the time. That's more Oprah. But I kind of hoped that her staff had that same zest and excitement and joy that she has on her show but at the end of the day, they're like multifaceted, complex humans who just roll into work, 
and get through the day at their job, which just happens to be The Ellen Show. And I had really built them up in my mind as these people who would be immediately excited and joyful and wanting to make all my dreams come true because I had seen them make other people's dreams come true. So it was kind of a bummer to sort of unpack that, that even though this was the biggest dream for me, that it was just another submission to them sort of thing. And maybe those were a bit of my like internal ego issues, but I think what really stung and probably the hardest part was just feeling like I had let everyone down around me. I just think of how much my parents, especially my mom, sent in that video and someone I had worked with at Lululemon, she had sent reminders all the time to like a huge email list. Just the disappointment and feeling like I had really let everyone down was really hard. And also because most goals are typically done in private. If you're setting like a financial goal or to eat at home more or something in your career, you generally kind of chip away at it on your own and no one really knows whether it happens because it's not done publicly. But I made myself vulnerable and I mean vulnerable and I failed. And it wasn't like if I had studied more, I would have passed. It was like my personal self was out in the public and it failed and it really sucked. I just think about how many people like shared it, how many people sent it. At this point, it has like 22,000 views, which is a lot of people to see you put yourself out there. And for a long time, I couldn't even watch the show. Like people would still bring it up. And I, I just kind of said, oh yeah, like you just, you reach a point where you don't really know what to say, but you can't erase what you did. You can't really say, I give up, I declare defeat. Please don't mention this again. So I just kind of would let people bring it up and hope that it would kind of fizzle away eventually. And you know, like anything, if only I could have told young Nicole at the time that there would absolutely be a pretty cool silver lining from all this. And once I had that time and that clarity, I was able to see it too. But I was just so amazed at my online community. Keep in mind, this was 10 years ago when it wasn't really a thing to be building an online community or anything. I just organically saw the power in having people support you. And I wanted to create that community for others, which ended up planting a seed that led me to starting a new company that taught personal branding workshops. So that was pretty cool. But I also learned that people weren't really invested in my dream being to work for Ellen. They were invested in me. They saw someone bravely putting themselves out there, which is something most people are never willing to do. And so that's what they were cheering for. I saw firsthand the power of being vulnerable and just the way it can ripple into joy for everyone else around you, which is really cool. So because I have that beautiful community now, I asked my Instagram community for some failure stories. I don't know if they want me to share their name, so I won't, but this one's from a lovely human who said, I had moved in with someone for the first time and in doing so thought that it would be for me and that he was the one. We lived together for five months before he broke it off and I walked out the front door. Initially, I had thought I had failed the relationship as I was in my late 20s and hadn't given it enough of a shot to be successful or had done the wrong things for him to feel the way he felt. In hindsight, I had moved in with him to fix 
or improve something that didn't feel right to me to begin with. And he was absolutely not the right person. Best thing to ever happen. Another one was that someone decided to drop out of university after planning my whole life to be a doctor. It felt like such a low and a failure as someone who was always the smart girl. And my mom said to me at the time, this will be the best thing that ever happened to you. I ended up working with my best friend's mom for six months, realized I love business, talked to everyone I knew about their experiences, learned how much I loved listening to people's stories, went into PR and marketing, which I'd been doing my whole life without knowing, and now have my own business that thrives off of my relationships, storytelling, and supporting others. We love that. One of my favorite companies, Frank, F-R-A-N-C, the founder of that company said that she had many you know, stories of failure, but after two kids and being unable to afford daycare for two on a salary, she was sort of forced to stay home. And that's how she started her company, which I just think is so cool. You, we often see the bright, shiny success at the end, but we forget that people had to fail along the way to get there. I had a bunch of responses about people who failed at getting promotion after promotion and realized they wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had people that got pushed out of a company, but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to them. Lots of people talking about divorces and breakups. Someone failed a course in university and had to take an extra year to graduate, which taught them humility. I feel like the most successful people also have the most failures because they're the ones putting themselves out there and trying. And someone I think from Lululemon once told me that, Nicole, it's not failing, it's falling forward. So this week's Late to the Party is a singer-songwriter from Boise, Idaho named Maddie Zom. You may follow her on TikTok or Instagram, but she is absolutely amazing. And a couple years ago, she was a worship leader. She was in the closet. She had a totally different body type, shape, size. And in the past couple years, she has completely unpacked her relationship to the church and she's no longer really part of it. She has come out as queer and she has lost something like 120 pounds, which I don't want to make it about weight, but when you've lived your life in one body and like the world does treat you differently and unfortunately, because society sucks, treats you totally differently in different bodies. So she's kind of been on like every journey a human could be on all at the same time. And she moved to LA and she was working on writing songs for others, but kind of on the side, she was doing a personal project just purely for herself to sort of process this massive transformation. And she wrote five incredible songs and no surprise, her to you that I would love her for her vulnerability but there's something just so raw and special about the way she's like bravely been able to tell these stories in the midst of her own processing and I mean I'm not a professional music reviewer but I also I really love the way her the juxtaposition between her unraveling from her church is sung in sort of like this worship style which is the music she grew up on I think, see, I'm late to the party, but I'm pretty sure the party started when she sort of went viral on TikTok while she was teasing some of her songs. She has a hit single called Fat Funny Friend, but her first song on the EP, which is where I sort of got involved, is called You Might Not Like Her, 
I think it has something like 14.5 million global streams. And it's kind of like a love letter from adult Maddie to her younger selves. And the music video is so beautiful. And maybe it's like the former film school student in me, but there's her as her adult self singing this beautiful song to like a child, a preteen, a teenager, and sort of like a young adult. And she says things like, for a while you might not like her, but I do. And I did a deep dive when the song sort of first came out. And I found the cinematographer for the video and the project. And there's one scene in You Might Not Like Her where she's coming out to her parents. And it was I was so overcome with emotion watching it that I was like, okay, this feels like so real. Like, how did they, what? Like, how did they do this? And the cinematographer, either on, either on the cinematographer's Instagram or and I think on her Instagram as well, she shared that her dad despite her parents being like a super quiet, private couple, her dad asked if they could be in the video to sort of like give her the response she deserved. So in the scene, she's almost like re- coming out again for real. I think she had maybe sort of, she like tiptoed out of the closet. <laughs> Do people even still say the closet? I noticed in some interviews, she said I was closeted. So that's the reason I'm using that word. But she sort of like tiptoed out of the closet out of necessity and so now in this video it's like a purely real emotional exchange where apparently there was like not a dry eye found on set like everyone was crying and you have to watch this music video and you have to watch that scene and it's just so beautiful and her EP actually came out last week on August 12th she has five songs five videos it is beautiful. Her soul is so beautiful. And she's also so funny. Some of like the deepest, darkest humans I know have like this aura of like light beaming off them and they're so funny. And she is that. And I just think it's really special that she's helping people and herself heal their inner child. Her voice is stunning. Her storytelling is a gift and she is just so brave and I love her. So if you don't already, follow her at Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E, Zom, Z, or Z, depending where you live, A-H-M. As you know, I'm really passionate about our connection to the universe. I love astrology. I love stories. I love signs from the universe. But sometimes I find it a bit overwhelming to to really comprehend everything. Um, So I will preface this by saying, I know you already know, but I am not an expert in this field, nor am I an astrologist. I am simply a person who loves to research and read and learn. And I'm going to try and share just a little digestible bit. And I don't want the astrologers to come and attack me and tell me everything I got wrong because... I can't possibly include everything, but I just want to share a little bit. So this weekend, we had our final supermoon of 2022. It was called the Sturgeon Moon, which I don't believe is an astrology term. I think it's from like the Farmer's Almanac. But anyway, 
So the new moons are when we plan things and plant the seeds and full moons are when we harvest. They're times of release. They are where we uncover truths about ourselves. So this full moon was in the air sign of Aquarius, which can only take place during Leo season, which is right now. And what do we think of when we think of an, of an Aquarius? Well, I'm glad you asked. We think of camaraderie, friendship, humanitarianism, and idealism. Those are all things I think of when I think of my sister who is an Aquarius. So it makes sense. Allow this time to take a detached look at your emotions and what you've been excited about. This is a good time to spark change within yourself and your community and share some of the art and talents you've been working on. And if that's not a sign for you to put whatever out there that you've been holding in, I don't know what is. That's the end of our show, friends. Thank you so much for being here. And remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself. As always, I want to thank Lucas for all of the help. He wears many hats to help make this podcast happen and my my merch that I'll be launching soon. I also want to thank Mike Halleck for the music. I need to thank Alyssa for basically being one of my producers slash showrunners. Um, and she also takes a lot of the beautiful photos you see of me. And yeah, thank you. This podcast is nothing without people listening to it, so... Thank you so much for being here, and I will see you next week. Mm-hmm.